Oh, well, good morning. Good morning. It is so good to be here and to be in this sanctuary with all of us gathered here who have chosen to wake up and, and to worship with us. It is a wonderful, wonderful feeling to be in the room with you and to be with you who are um, worshiping with us in our virtual platform. We welcome all of you and we just celebrate the occasion that allows us to gather as the body of Christ, the church. To be able to sit next to one another, to be able to look at each other and know that we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and we are neighbors to one another. We have been in this, uh, the Art of Neighboring sermon series. Now this is our third and final week of this series. We have had, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. It has been challenging to think about that map. If you'll look in, there, in your bulletin there, you'll find that neighbor map. You know, when Kristen opened this um, sermon series up, she, she talked about that commandment. The commandment to love God with all that we are and all that we have and all that we ever will have or will be. Love God with all of our strength, with all of our soul, and all of our mind, all of our heart. To give all of ourselves to the love of God, to respond to God's love for us. And the second part of that commandment, as Jesus tells us, is like the first. To love our neighbor as ourselves. Now that sounds simple enough. The words are simple to say, right? Let's just say this, ready? Repeat after me. Love my neighbor... As myself. See how easy that is? How simple that is? But to live that out is quite a challenge. You know, we talked about this, this map, and Kristen uh, you know, basically said, now let's go to the map. So we went to the map of our neighborhoods, where we lived. And we have this grid, this matrix of nine squares, and our home, our home address is in the middle. And we were invited to look and challenged to look at those squares all around us, our neighbors who live all around us, and begin to fill in as much as we know about our neighbors. Now, I'm going to be truthful with you. Very truthful. Very transparent. I'm always truthful. I try to be truthful. Sometimes I'm wrong. That's not really not being truthful. So really, I just want to be transparent. When I looked at that map, I didn't even pick up a pencil. Because I knew I have failed to be a neighbor. I looked at that map, and I could give you a name here and a name there, maybe a name down here, and maybe a name, a name down the street. And I know what kind of cars are around me. I know that people are, are married and, and who's not married. I know where the children are. I don't know what's going on in people's lives. Other than maybe one or two. One or two neighbors. And that map was just this glaring reminder, this challenge that says, get to know your neighbors. Know who they are. Know what puts a smile on their face. Know what, when they wake up in the morning, what, what, is, what is on their mind? What is their frustration? Where do people hurt? And where do people rejoice? It's simple to say, love my neighbor as myself. But it's not always easy 
to love my neighbor as myself. I have to get to know myself and get to know my neighbor. That's not an easy task. And then Reverend Micah Wright showed up last week. If you remember his conversation with us, he reminded us and challenged us again to think about the barriers that makes this task, this simple phrase, so difficult. All the barriers that we place between us and our neighbors. And if we don't place them, we allow them to exist. And why? They're convenient. They protect us. It's like a, a high, strong fence or wall with a locked gate. We're, we're, we're safe and we're comfortable behind these barriers. And when Micah talked about tearing down these barriers to, to make ourselves vulnerable. That's a difficult task. And he used the, the passage of, 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 in Luke about Jesus who encounters this woman, this Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And in this telling of the story, in this encounter between Jesus and this woman, Jesus walks through and speaks through Conventions and cultural barriers. The fact that he encountered and spoke to a woman was shocking, unheard of, unprecedented. The fact that he was a Jewish man speaking to a Samaritan woman, that's alarming. And that she spoke back. And when the barriers were torn down, as Jesus tears down the barriers by speaking to her and approaching her, and she is allowed to speak back. She's able to go and tell her neighbors back in town of this man she has encountered. Can he be the Messiah? Can he be the one we are all waiting for? Tearing down the barriers allowed Jesus to be a good neighbor to that woman and in turn allowed her to be a good neighbor to Jesus and also allowed her to preach the gospel. Come and see. The walls have been torn down. Come and see the truth. The Messiah. It's a simple phrase. Love our neighbor as ourselves. Just not always easy. I um, years ago, our daughter, um, who has a beautiful singing voice, decided she wanted to be in, in the band. This is in junior high school, and she wanted to play the clarinet. So we got her a clarinet. It was a nice clarinet. An average or above average musician would have been proud to have this little clarinet. And then the band, she was probably, I don't know, out of 10 or 11 chairs of the clarinets, she was probably 10 or 11. Not because of the clarinet, because she didn't want to practice 
She just wanted to be in the band because that was a group of people. Well, they had to go, they were invited to play in a concert. And it was not on the school site. They had to travel there. So they loaded up on the buses and they arrived at the place they were going to play. And the first chair tells our daughter Ellie, I can't play my solo. And I was like, why? The mouthpiece is broken on my clarinet. I can't play it. I don't know what to do. And Ellie says, well, just use mine. Use my mouthpiece. It'll fit. And she said, well, what about, what about you? What are you going to do? She said, I don't know it. I was going to just pretend to play it anyway. You, you need it. You need help. You take it. I'll take the broken one. There's something in that little story that I love. And I love it about our daughter. And I love it about people. And I love it about the church when we're able to see it. That when people encounter a need, Encounter someone or some people who are hurting and just need some mercy, just need a hand. And we offer it. And that's kind of what's happening in this story, in our gospel story this morning. It's taken from Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. This is a powerful story, and it's all about what it takes to be a neighbor. This simple little phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. And how difficult that really is. As we read this fairly familiar passage about the Good Samaritan, I want you to listen. Listen with ears that will hear the barriers being torn down. Listen for the, for the vulnerability in this story. Luke 10, verse 25. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, 
while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. In this familiar story, we have this incredible exchange. This lawyer is testing Jesus. He wants to trip Jesus up. He wants to cause some confusion and prove Jesus wrong. But he's unable to do it. And in the course of this exchange, Jesus gives this incredible, powerful parable about what it means to be a neighbor to someone. Now, I've heard scholars and commentators talk about this story, this parable. And some of the commentators have talked about this notorious road that existed between Jerusalem and Jericho. This was a, uh, a twisting, switching back and forth, coming down the elevation of Jericho, down into the valley where, uh, or from Jerusalem down to the valley where Jericho existed. And then this road was, it became notorious for thieves and thugs and bandits who would lie in wait for some foolish traveler who was traveling alone, who was vulnerable. And so we can see this traveler in the course of this parable as a foolish man. Some might say that he got what he deserved traveling this road in such a manner to be exposed, to be vulnerable. We can also see in this man that when he is stripped and robbed and beaten and left for dead, that he is stripped of his identity. He is stripped of his dignity. And he's left hurting in pain and begging for mercy. Jesus goes on to talk about how this priest approaches the same road, approaches the site where the man was, was mugged and beaten and robbed. And seeing the man, he crosses to the other side of the road to not get involved, to look the other way, pass by. The same is said of the Levites. This is interesting. We don't know their reasons. Jesus doesn't give reasons why they would pass by. We can make assumptions and guesses. What we do know is that a holy man, a man set apart, a priest, didn't stop couldn't be bothered to stop and to know what happened, to know the man who was suffering. We also know that this Levite, 
a man from a good Jewish family, upstanding family. Neither could he stop. Neither could he be bothered to stop and get to know the man suffering on the side of the road. It's the Samaritan. A man from not such a good family. An undesirable, an unclean, unwanted. This is the man who would stop. Would extend a helping hand, a kind word. Would place the hurting man on his own animal's own transport. And take him to a place where he could mend. He could regain his strength and continue his journey. There's something powerful in this. Jesus uses the Samaritan for a very particular reason. To tear down the barrier, this cultural barrier, this, this, this barrier of the, of the convention of his day. To tear down the Jewish-Samaritan barrier to show to show not just the Jewish people, the Samaritan people, but us, the people today, that there should be nothing between us. If we're going to be a, a neighbor, we have to get to know someone. We have to get to know the man on the side of the road, the man who has been stripped of his identity and his dignity and left hurting and wanting. Only the Samaritan stopped. Someone who was willing to make himself vulnerable, to help the vulnerable. And maybe the question that exists here is who was willing to place themselves in the shoes of the hurting man? If we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, we need to know how we would want to be treated. We need to be in the place of the hurting. We need to have empathy for the hurting. We need to understand the pains, the hurts, the frustrations, and the joys of those who we encounter, those who live around us. So consider that for a moment. If you go back to that that block map, think about all of these things. What do we know about our neighbors? And what can we do about it? How do we tear down the barriers between us? The ones that we build up and the ones that we allow to exist. Now we did a, a wonderful thing this past Wednesday night. Who was here Wednesday night with us for our neighbor night? It's the first one we've had since I've been here anyway. And um, Now, I, I, granted, it was hot, and it rained cats and dogs. But we had neighbor night. We just came inside. People gathered. People from Spring Hill Avenue came over and joined us. Our people from Ashton Place joined us. People from neither church, people from the neighborhood joined us. And here's what I saw that night. I saw groups of people come in who didn't know each other or didn't think they knew each other. And it was like a middle school dance 
you know, where the boys line up on one side and the girls line up, and, and, and there's this huge gulf in between? That's the way it was in the early goings. Spring Hill Avenue kind of grouped in one area and Ashen Place in another area and the people who were in between and either were in other areas. But as we begin to settle in to eat, gather around tables, those divisions and those barriers begin to come down. And it wasn't long before Ashen Place people were sitting and Spring Hill people and people who were neither were sitting with others and we're all getting to know each other. And we've come to find out we actually knew each other. People said, oh, I used to work with you 10 years ago. Wow, imagine, we're neighbors. Wonderful things come out of neighbor night. And here's why it happened. As I watched these barriers come down, it's because people... Ashen Place made ourselves vulnerable enough, long enough, to lower the barriers of defenses to invite people we didn't know to come in. To be hospitable, inviting, welcoming to people we did not know. And people who at Spring Hill lower their barriers and their vulnerability enough that they were willing to take the risk to come into a place they didn't really know and people they didn't really know. And people from the neighborhood, the people from, from either church, did the same thing. They said, we're going to take the risks. We're going to make ourselves vulnerable enough and long enough that we're going to walk into an unknown place and to see an unknown people and see what happens. And we began to get to know each other. We began to see how we are similar and how we are different. We began to hear what's going on at Spring Hill Avenue with all their reconstruction. People came in here and began to see what we're like. This is all made possible because everyone was willing to make themselves vulnerable enough and long enough to take the risk gather together. Now this is a, I like to use this, this image of, of neighbor night for this series to kind of close out this series because it just offers so many insights on the power and the position and place that the church has. The church has a unique Place. The church can be a Pharisee, it can be, sorry, a priest, it can be Pharisaic too, but it can be a priest, it can be a Levite, it can be a Samaritan. It just depends on what the church wants to do, how vulnerable we want to make ourselves. And on Wednesday night, we made ourselves vulnerable. And we were better for it. Spring Hill Avenue is better for it. The people, our neighbors, are better for it. The kingdom of God is better for it. And we were able to do this because of you. Because of Spring Hill Avenue. Because Bob Sharp and Joe Stewart were willing to cook hamburgers and hot dogs. Slave over that stove. That big, beautiful grill. Because Lydia and Carol were willing to make sides. Pam was willing to, to work alongside uh, Lydia and Carol to, to set the table. Because Kristen and Micah would welcome and invite and play praise music. 
because Susan Bedsall was willing to invite and welcome children. She didn't know with a beautiful story about our shepherd, the Lord. And there are others, and I will fail to name names, but the church is in a unique position to be a good neighbor because the church has been blessed with gifts and talents and strengths that allow us to do all kinds of deeds, all kinds of positive words and encouragement because of all of our people. And when we do that, and we make ourselves vulnerable, and we offer our gifts and our strengths, our talents, we proclaim the good news. And we love God, and because we love God, we love our neighbor. And we love our neighbor as ourselves. We have empathy because we know what each other's going through. So my hope and my prayer in this sermon series is that we will keep that map as a constant reminder and challenge to get to know the people around us, where we live, where we work, where we worship, where we play, where we learn. Get to know our neighbors. Be vulnerable. Be very vulnerable so that we can offer words and acts of mercy. Because when we do that, we are being a good neighbor. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.